Today's episode runs a bit long at about 48 minutes, which is the complete opposite of what I say I want to do inside this episode. Um, What I said was I want to get down to more of the 15 to 20 minute range, and I ended up going about 30 minutes over that. But honestly, this is one of the best episodes I think I've ever done. I really, really like how this episode came out. And I I hope you'll enjoy it too. I do want to invite you to, if you want to continue to receive updates on the podcast episodes, you can either go join the Telegram chat, t.me forward slash Constructive Liberty. There will be a link in the show notes. And you can also sign up for email updates, which I send one email a week for all the previous episodes. And that link will also be in the show notes. If you want to get to the main topic of the show and skip the intro, and a couple things that I talk about in there, jump to about the eight-minute mark. Do good work. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Constructive Liberty Podcast, Intentionally Designing a Lifestyle of Freedom. Today is episode number 122, and we are recording on Wednesday, the uh, November the 11th, 2022. So what have I got for you today? Well, in listening to some podcasts recently, I, I've decided that I want to change up the format of my podcast ever so slightly. And um, I'm going to talk through that a little bit. And then I want to share how you can support the podcast if you like it. And the main topic of today's show, though, is based on a Charles Dickens quote. And it comes out of his book, A Tale of Two Cities. Of course, you're going to know what that is. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It's the most important election of our lifetime. Okay, sorry. I had to throw that in there. You know, play cue the clown music, but. Sorry if I offended you. My apologies. Anyway, on to the format of the show. I want to... Here, here's kind of what sparked some of the changes. The podcasts that I listen to that I really enjoy the most are ones that don't have a lot of fluff in it. They're podcasts that you have the title. It's like, oh, that looks like an interesting title. And you listen to the podcast, they do their intro, maybe just a little short segment, and then they just go right into the main topic of the show. And it's 10, 15, 20 minutes, however long, but it's about that topic. And I know recently that some of my episodes have gone 15 minutes before I get to the main topic of the show. And ain't nobody got time for that. I don't have time for that. You don't have time for that. You don't want to listen to a bunch of fluff before you get to the main topic of the show. Now, I do realize that I often share ways that you can support the show. I would sometimes share products that can be useful to you, things that I use, whether that is a physical product or a digital product or, you know, whatever that might be. So I still want to share some of those things. But it's going to be more of a brief mention, and then I'll drop a link and maybe a longer description in the show notes, or maybe I'll start writing a little blog post to go along with those things. I'm not really sure exactly how I'm going to do that, but I'm going to try to have a little less fluff at the beginning of the podcast and a little more 
just main content and just dive right into it and have shorter episodes. I want to get back to that 15 to 20 minute mark. A lot of my podcasts lately have been gone, going for 30 minutes, and that's a little bit too long. You know, there are, there are podcasts out there that go that 30 minutes. There's some that go for an hour. For myself, I like a little bit shorter podcast lengths, and so that's what I just need to do. Eliminate the, the fluff, maybe have like one segment for the first week of the month and another one for the second week of the month and so on and so forth instead of having all the the product of the day the stories from real life how i'm making life fun again what i'm doing to generate income maybe i can you know do some short segments on those but make those longer like make a complete episode out of how i'm making life fun again the things that i'm doing or what I'm doing this week to generate income or working towards that anyway. You know, a lot of the things I do don't necessarily generate income, but it's building the base of that pyramid. You know, the pyramid that I talked about on Monday uh, where you have your overarching goals on the top and it, everything that you do is a building block or a stepping to- stone towards reaching that goal. And I don't know if you've caught the episodes that I've released on Monday, I've, I've been working towards maybe doing like a short two to three to five minute episode on Monday. Just some thoughts that come to me that it might be a video that I put out on TikTok or YouTube and then just take the audio from that and run that as a podcast episode. You know, a little more just straight to the point. This is some thoughts that I've had. I hope this helps you. hope it serves you. And, um, I don't know. Have you enjoyed that? It, it's been kind of fun for me. You know, I, a lot of those I've recorded on the road and it, I don't know. Tell me what you think. If you hate that or love it, I don't know. Well, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, if you want to support the show, I'm going to throw out the same product that I did last week. That's the Wise 5 Budgeting and Debt Freedom app. It's a, it's a really great little app. I just discovered it recently, but you connect all your accounts to it and it tracks everything. You set your budget. But the beauty of this app is that it creates projections for you. So if you've ever heard of the FI movement or financially independent movement or the FIRE movement, financially independent retire early movement, people work their tail off. You know, they figure out how much they need to live off of. They work their tail off to either save up that amount or to create a passive income portfolio that can support them and they can go ahead and retire early. Well, this kind of plays into that movement in that it creates projections for you based on the real numbers that you put in. It's like $9 a month, I think, after the first month. You do get a month free. So if you want to go sign up for that, I'm going to drop an affiliate link in the show notes. I do get a small commission. And actually, in the month of November, uh, the the creators of this app are running a contest for whoever signs up the most affiliates underneath them or whoever can sign up the most people can win like $300. So if you want to go sign up, great. If not, you know, at least start managing your money a little bit better. Hope that gets you to thinking about how you're running your money. And speaking of, I had a really great chat with a good friend, David Vargas, on Monday night. Monday nights, I'm doing a live stream on my Empowering Forward Momentum YouTube channel, as well as the Facebook group. And I had a really good chat about 
different ways to think about money, how we need to change our thoughts and our relationship with money. So if you want to go check that out, I'll also drop that link in the show notes. You should follow along and pop in on Monday nights at 7 p.m. Central Time on the Empowering Forward Momentum YouTube channel. So let's jump right into the main topic of today's show. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going the other way. In short, the period was so far like the present period that some of its no that some of its noisiest authorities insisted on its being received for good or evil in the superlative degree of comparison only. I'm going to take a drink. Sorry about that. Nothing like taking a drink right in the middle of the podcast. And that comes obviously from Charles Dickens' book, A Tale of Two Cities. And he really lays out how, you know, in his day, Everything was so extreme. It was either all the way over here or all the way over here, like so far apart that you can't even see each end of it. It's everything is polar opposites. And if that doesn't describe our world today, then I don't know what does. And the interesting thing is that no matter what time period you lived in, or no matter who you talk to, everybody always thought things were the worst they could ever be. You know, the books that you read, it's the end of the world, you know, where everybody's going to die, or it's the worst time period ever. Things have never been this bad. All, most of the books throughout history are written from Things have never been this bad. And I think a lot of that comes from our inability to see the past for what it really was. We tend to see the past with rose-colored glasses. You know, my nieces, they wish so bad, or my one niece wishes so bad that she could have lived in the Renaissance period, in the Dark Ages. Like, I can't even imagine how terrible that time was. And she's read these books that romanticize it, and she believes that that would be the best time ever. She thinks that we should live there, that we should go back to that. And you know, when I was growing up, I read a lot of Western books. I thought I should have grown up in the West. I would love to have lived in the Western time period where you're just you know, out riding your horse around, rounding up cattle if you felt like it, you know, riding into town. Nice leisurely lifestyle. But we only see the romantic side of things when we look at it. We don't see the hardships that were there. You know, my niece doesn't see people dying from the Black Plague left and right. She doesn't see all of like the, the, I forget what the percentage of the world population was that died during that time period. And you have the Spanish flu as well, you know, like, a huge percentage, what was it, like a third of the, of the world's population died? Can you imagine that? 
for all of for all of our uh, everything that I have against modern medicine and how overused it is, it has done amazing things for our health and longevity. Now, is it overused? Yes, I believe it is. But is it? Are there also benefits to it? Yes, I believe there is. You know, I don't want to be a person who just immediately goes to antibiotics or to this pill or that pill or whatever it may be. But there's times when you need it. Earlier this summer, I got a serious staph infection on my hand. And I don't know if you remember if you or if you saw any videos that I recorded in that time. I showed it a little bit. My hand was unusable for almost a month. It got so swollen and so painful. It was so painful that, see this couch right here? Uh, my office is detached from our house, obviously, as our house is a camper. But my office here has a couch that I can sleep on or we can sit and visit on or we can come out here and watch movies on or something like that. But I slept out here for a few nights because my hand was so painful. I literally laid in bed and either screamed or cried and the pain would come and go. And I would think I'm going to fall asleep and all of a sudden it would just grab me and I could do nothing with the pain. I was on antibiotics for that. And eventually, the pain went away and it started to heal up. I'm still not back to normal, but it is a lot better than it was. Like, my fingers are still a little bit numb. And this has been six months ago, about. Uh, maybe not quite six months ago, but I still don't have all the feeling in these two fingers. And I still have a spot there that is a little numb. I just I don't have all that feeling back. So I'm happy for antibiotics for things like that. That's kind of a, a long, long way around things. Um, I, I've come across something on a website, uh, literarydevices.net. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. The origin, or this phrase, has been taken from the famous opening paragraph of Charles Dickens's novel, A Tale of Two Cities. That's the opening line. Okay, it, the passage suggests an age of radical opposites taking place across the English Channel in France and the UK, respectively. It contrasts and compares London and Paris during the French Revolution. This phrase points out a major conflict between family and love, hatred and oppression, good and evil, light and darkness, wisdom and folly. Dickens begins his tale with a vision that human prosperity cannot be matched with human despair. He, in fact, tells about a class war between the rich and the poor. He tells of a time of despair and suffering on one hand and joy and hope on the other hand. This apt phrase, or this is an apt phrase to be used in the context of today's world. You know, we're going through a lot of the same things. The poor are struggling under the yoke of economic decline, and the rich are enjoying luxurious lives. So you've got those polar opposites. So the best context in this literary writing is one where a country or a situation is compared with another in order to predict some revolution or a sudden transformation. I, I really need to read this book. I've never actually read the book. So I need to read that. I, I know it would be good because it, I can see just in that first phrase, just in the opening lines of that book, that that is exactly where we are today. 
And, and it's so interesting how when, when you talk to people, most people believe that we are living in the worst of times. If you ask people today, here's what they say. It was the worst of times. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was a season of darkness. It was the winter of despair. We had nothing before us. We were all going down there, the opposite of heaven. <laughs> and, and that's most people's outlook on life. That is how they see things. So I posted on all of my social medias the other day. I, I posed the question. Uh, see if I can find it here. Uh, okay, I, I started out with, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And then I said, how are you feeling about this point in history in which we're currently living? And some of the comments I got were really, really interesting. AK, and I'm only using initials, said, it is the worst time to be alive. Everything sucks. Everything is an artificial man-made substitute. Trying to find a fulfilling life is as futile as attempting to make a child with, and I'm going to change his quote here, with um, sex toys. <laughs> Yet everyone insists that there's nothing wrong. Give me Christ or Hiroshima. Everything sucks. And I replied, I said, wow, that is a depressing outlook. And he came back with, but it's not an inaccurate one. Mankind has screwed itself by attempting to improve upon God's creation. Believe me, living in the jungle with no electricity or running water, having wild-grown fruits, bananas, avocados, and ocean fish to choose from beats the pants off of a mortgage mansion and processed food. Modern life sucks. Now, I don't know this person personally. I'm connected on one of the social medias that I'm on, and... That that outlook on life is super depressing. You know, he, he's not 100% wrong, but to have that attitude that you cannot find a fulfilling life, that fulfillment is impossible. You know, as a Christian, and I talk about this all the time, as a Christian, God has given us gifts. He's given us abilities. He has given us specific things to utilize in our life to make a difference for other people. That is where we find fulfillment. When we look at the dark side of life, that will always be there. When we look at the the things that don't go right, when we look at what we don't have, when we look at the the genetically modified everything. When we look at the fake food, you know, the you don't even have to go as far as Twinkies and and the candy bars out there, as tasty as they may be to some people. You know, you look at a McDonald's hamburger, or you look at the most of the bread that's in stores. You look at the way meat is grown. It is artificial. It's it's not right. You know, a lot of that food isn't right, but we've never had access in history to so much good food. We've never had so much access to good things. At no point in history could you go to the grocery store and find nearly everything you need, quality stuff. You could eat good food. 
Like at no point in history has, have we ever had such good access to so many good things. All you have to do, get into your little car, drive down to your little grocery store. You're like, oh, but it takes me an hour to get to a decent grocery store. Well, you know what? Most people throughout history had to get on their little feet or on their little horse and ride or walk for hours to find whatever things at the market or or whatever that may be, you know, wherever they buy their stuff. They had to go much farther through much more hardships than we do today to get probably better quality food. You know, we look at fake food today and we think, boy, that's that's awful. And a lot of the stuff that's in that food is awful. But when you watch video, when you watch movies from, you know, let's let's go back to the dark ages or, or whatever time period. They did stuff as well that was not very uh, kosher. They did things to manipulate the food. I saw a video recently, or I don't remember where I saw that. It might have been on some movie where the uh, the butcher would buy low quality or old meat from other people, and he would actually dye it with fresh blood to make it look fresh. Now, yes, that's on a movie, but I'm sure those things happen because throughout history, there's always been people trying to take advantage of other people. It's You're never going to get away from those times. You have to choose the people that you associate with. You have to choose the life that you want to live and do everything you can to live that life and to help as many other people as you can along the way. That is where fulfillment comes in at. Living life at peace, at peace with your mind, at peace with God, at peace with people around you. Now, if there's people that you can't live at peace with, do everything you can to not be around those people. You know, not everybody has a right to have access to you. And if there's people that drain you, if there's people that don't build you up, You have to do what it takes to cut them off. If that's family, if that's brothers and sisters and parents or kids or cousins or coworkers or whoever those people are, sometimes they can be hard to cut off, but you have to limit the interactions that they have, that you have with them. You have to limit the influence that they have on your life. Sometimes that can be hard to do, but you have to do We have to love our fellow man, yes. But enabling their rotten behavior is not love. Another person, KJ, said, it's the best of times, but he's ready for whatever. And I love that attitude. I love that attitude. LL said this. She feels confused. It's so interesting to see what's happening around us, but it's also a bit concerning to be right smack dab in the middle of it all. And I asked, I said, in the middle of it, timeline-wise, or literally in the middle of it, like in a city where you're in a fallout zone or the path of destruction? And she replied, timeline-wise, I'm taking everything in and comparing it to past history. I see where we're going, and it's somewhat scary, but I'm also excited to be a part of this point in history. And I think people with that attitude are what makes the future bright. 
I think the people with that attitude are what's right with humanity. I think the people that have that outlook on life are what is going to make the future bright or what's going to help rebuild after things collapse. PH said, I'm concerned that my children and future grandchildren will have a more difficult life because of the things that are happening now. We may see a downfall in lifestyle and comfort, but they will be the ones that are stuck picking up the pieces. I just hope that we can teach them resiliency and strength to find some joy in the upcoming struggles. Love that. I love that. It's teaching kids that no matter what happens, you make the best of the situation. You move on. You don't lose all hope. You don't lose, you don't despair. You have to find the good in your fellow man. Because if we all revert to Neanderthalism, where we're just knocking each other over the head to take what they've got or to take their man or their woman or their kids or their dog or their food or their house or whatever, if we all adopt that attitude, then yeah, I have the same outlook as AK where everything sucks, where life sucks. But as long as there's a bright spot, as long as there is something that lives for a higher purpose, as long as there's those people out there that continue to shine the light, that continue to be a light in the darkness, then we haven't lost hope. And I hope, you know, I hope I'm that person. I hope you can be that person. We have to take the attitude that no matter what happens, no matter, no matter the, the way people treat us, no matter what goes down, we are not going to lower our standards of living. And I don't mean we're not going to live without electricity or we're not going to live without a freezer or, you know, I don't mean that standard of living. I mean that standard of who you are as a person. If you can't be a decent person when times are bad, are you really a decent person when times are good? If you can't be friendly or a a kind person when someone is unkind or unfriendly to you, are you really a kind person? You know, in the Bible, Jesus said that, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, he said, "You, you think you're good because you give your children a fish instead of a snake. He said, even bad people do that. You know, that, that is not what makes you good is doing good things because that's what you're because other people do good things to you or or just doing what you're responsible for you're truly good when you can be good to evil people when if someone smacks you upside the head you don't immediately go for the beat down you don't shoot them in the back or or you don't retaliate you know if a truly good person can take that and still love the other person. I'm reading a book right now, and uh, it's called The 48 Laws of Power, and it's an absolutely terrifying book because I believe that I could easily become, if I was not a Christian, I could easily be the type of person who would use this book for evil, to manipulate and control people. And 
If that's if you're that type of person, please do not ever read this book. I need good people to read this book. But it, he quotes a uh, I think it's an Abraham Lincoln thing, where yes, it was an Abraham Lincoln quote. He was talking about the South. He said they are our brothers who have gone astray. You know, this is in the Civil War, the slavery era, and an old woman chided him and said there are enemies who should be destroyed. They should be wiped off the face of the earth. And he said, woman. He said, if I make my enemy my friend, have I not destroyed them? And that's how we need to look at people. That's how we need to approach life in our fellow man is making our enemies our friends. Being good to people even when they do bad. The Bible calls that heaping coals of fire on their head. <laughs> Funny little story. Um, there was a uh, an older couple who could not get along in their marriage. And they went to see a counselor, and this counselor approached it from a biblical perspective. And he he asked the woman, he said, have you tried heaping coals of fire on his head? Meaning, have you been good to him when he hasn't been so good to you? And she said, no, I haven't tried heaping coals of fire on his head, but I did try boiling water once. <laughs> Funny little story. I, I laugh at it. But, um, Back to the comments. PHT said on Instagram, my life has never been better, even though the best of America's history is behind me. And, you know, I I look at that and I agree with so much of it. And I love the fact that he sees that his life has never been better. And and I know this man personally, I've met him and he he's done a lot to create the life he wants to live. But he says, even though the best of America's history is behind me. And there's different ways you can look at that. I don't want to nitpick here, but I see that in a couple different lights. You know, the best of America, as in the, uh, the government or the, the, uh, conglomeration, the entity of America. Yes, maybe the best of that history is behind us, but the best of, the American continent's history, the best of the people that live in this land, like as a region, I think we have so much more potential to to make the next thousand years, if we live that long, the best the world has ever seen. You know, things have continually gotten better and better and better throughout history. Yes, things have also gotten worse and worse and worse. But it depends how you look at it. The potential for good has never been higher than it is today. You know, most people, when they look at life, they see the negative. They see the downfall. They see the worst of times. They see the age of foolishness, the epoch of incredulity. The season of darkness and the winter of despair, having nothing before us and going direct to hell. I've heard it so many times, you know, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. And that may be true. But what are you doing to uh, to help that? What are you doing to reverse that? Are you helping the world not go to hell in a handbasket? Most people see the fall of civilization as what's coming. and And the truth is... You know, when something has served its purpose, as I believe the American government has, 
And you know that I'm not a political fan. I don't vote. I am not a right or a left or a not a political libertarian, although I am a libertarian in the uh, the strongest sense of the word. I prefer the term voluntarist, although that's most people will be like, what is that? Anyway, when something has served its purpose, as the American government has over the last couple of hundred years, you know, there's never been as prosperous, or at least in our recorded history, there's never been as prosperous a nation as what we've been over the last few hundred years. But it's beginning to go downhill. When people get power, they always manipulate it for their good. And that's when things, or for their benefit, I should say. And that's when things start to go downhill. And we, we've we been heading that direction for probably about the last hundred years. Maybe longer than that, maybe, maybe even longer than that. But it really sped up the decline uh, in 1913, researched the creature from Jekyll Island. But that is kind of where that decline started speeding up, even though... You know, there were elements of the American lifestyle that still continued on an upward trajectory until, I'd say, 30, 40, 50 years ago. But I think now we, we've probably reached our peak as to what the vast majority of people's lifestyle can be in America. It's Over the next few years, it's going to get worse. Going back to my my original thought, when something has served its purpose, it has to die off so that the next iteration can replace it. You know, if you look at plants or trees or, you know, take a potato. You plant a, you plant the little piece of a potato in the ground and it sprouts. All the greens come off of it. It puts out new roots and new potatoes grow. That original potato had to die so that the others could grow. Trees. If you go out and cut down a tree, more trees shoot off of that stump, off of that root. Something has to die so that something new can come up. And an organism like a government does not like to die. You know, trees can't do much about it. You you can cut away at it. You can chop it up. You can hack at it, and it can't fight back. An animal can fight back. A government can really fight back. They don't want to die. Living organisms choose life. Okay? And when it's served its purpose and begun the decline, you know, it's reached maturity, and starts to slowly decline. As we age, we reach maturity and start going downhill. There's more aches and pains and things hurt and don't work as well. And you just start going downhill. You you can't do what you once did. In trees, you know, branches have to be pruned away for new life or for things to be, for things to, to function better, for better fruit. But sometimes when the tree has served its purpose and begins to die, it has to be just cut off. Sometimes the roots have to be completely dug out so that the tree doesn't come back and a new iteration of it or a new form of it can take its place. So from the seed or the root of the previous tree, a new one can grow. That tree in this sense being 
You know, the idea that America was founded on, the idea that many other nations and countries and, and governments were founded on, and that is to empower human flourishing. That is to give people every opportunity to create whatever they can create. And that, I think we've lost that idea long ago that, that people are able and willing and, and have the ability to create amazing things. And we've tried to control that creation process. We, and that's where things have gone downhill is when we took control away from the people and put it in the hands of a few in the form of a centralized power. And so that, I believe that's why most people only see the negative at this point in history. They see it as the worst of times. But I believe that we're living in the best of times. I personally believe we're living in a golden age where anything is possible. I know that can be hard to see. It, it, it's super difficult to, to really believe that. But never before in history have so many people been able to not spend the vast majority of their time thinking about where their next meal is coming from. Throughout most of history, until the last, I'm going to say, less than 100 years ago, throughout most of history, the vast majority of people spent the vast majority of their time on procuring food. The vast majority of people either were worried about where their next meal was coming from or they were growing in order to sell food to other people. Right now, I think in America, like less than 3% of the population provides food for the other 97%. Now, I know there's a lot of you that grow a lot of your own food, that produce a lot of your own meat and vegetables and fruit and nuts and all of those things, but... I don't know. I don't know of anybody who is a hundred percent self-sufficient, who produces all of their own food. I don't know of anybody. And throughout most of history, nearly everybody was dependent on producing their food. They had to produce the majority, if not all of their food. We spent all of our time and money finding food. Today, do you spend more than 20% of your paycheck on food? If you if you have to spend even 15% of your paycheck on food, I can almost guarantee you that you can find another job and that pays you more money to bring that number down. If you're somebody who spends more than 20% of your paycheck on food, you are either buying shopping at the most expensive places you can or you have a really poor paying job. And I, I promise you, you can find work that pays more than minimum wage to where you can spend less of your money on food. At no point in history has that been true where such a small percentage of the population produces the vast majority of the food. And that has opened up opportunities for innovation, for inventions, for creating so much more 
so many more things that make our life better and easier and, you know, more enjoyable. Throughout history, it was only the rich elite who, who could have leisure time. It was most other people, you know, they had to spend most of their time figuring out where their next meal was coming from and figuring out how they were going to pay the taxes on the work that they did to make this meal. That's how it's been throughout history. Today, we are able to figure things out that we've never figured out before. At no point in history have we had as much access to information, to how-to videos. Like, a hundred years ago, if you wanted to know how to do something, you had to know somebody that knew how to do it. Or figure it out, spend years figuring it out yourself. Now, I can say, hey Google, how do you so-and-so and so-and-so, whatever. And it will bring up a video that shows me how to do that thing that I want to do. Whether that's growing food or building an engine or changing the screen on my phone or anything. I get annoyed if I go searching for something and there's not a video or an article showing me how to do that thing. I hope my cousin is not listening to this. I don't think she listens to my podcast, but <laughs> she needed someone to replace a bathtub for her. Now, I've never installed a bathtub by myself, but she asked me if I could help her out. And I said, sure, I can help you out. YouTube helped me out. I learned how to install a bathtub. I learned all the things I needed. I went down to the hardware store and said, here's what I've got. What else do I need for this? And he gave me all the parts and pieces. And I went to her house and I glued everything together and I stuck it in place and it worked and didn't leak. So great. At no point in history could I have done that before. I had to have somebody that had that specialized knowledge on how to do that to teach me how to do it or to pay them to come and do it. I went and watched a couple videos and I went and figured out how to do it, and I installed a bathtub for her. She doesn't know that I've never installed a bathtub by myself before. I just told her I could do it, and I did it. So at no point in history have we been able to do that. We are living in a golden age where you can find information on anything you want to do. You can learn anything you want to learn. Anything you want to know is out there. Anything you want to figure out. Any kind of work that you want to do, anything you want to build, anything that you're interested in, you can go watch a video and learn how to do it. If you want to learn affiliate marketing so that you can work from home, there's videos on how to do that. There's great courses out there. I've gone through them myself. If you want to learn how to become a social media manager, 50 years ago, we didn't have social media. Our social media was the, the bulletin board down at the local hardware store. You'd go pin a note up there. That was social media. You know, 20 years ago, we didn't have social media. You, you might have had some forums or post-it boards or whatever you call it. That was even before my time, though. Now, if we didn't have social media, can you imagine? Can you imagine how that would be? not having social media. Today, things are so easy. We build websites to connect each other. We build websites so that 
We don't have to go out and knock on doors and say, hey, do you need me to build you a piece of furniture? Can I cut down some trees for you and help you out and cut some firewood for you? Can I haul some trash off for you? We Before 20 years ago, we had to go knock on doors and find work. We had to know a guy who knew a guy. Now all you have to do is post something online and you have all the work you want to have. It has never been easier to stay alive at any point in history than it is today. You can do anything you want to do. Okay? Let that sink in. Anything you want to do, there's a way to do it. It might be difficult. It's not going to be easy. You got to put the work in. You might struggle for a while. You might lose your house. You might get kicked out in the street. But you know what? There's food pantries down the road. There are people that will help you. You're not going to die. It sucks to lose everything, sure. But if you want to build something amazing, if you want to change your life, you've got to do the hard things. Sometimes you just have to reach a cutting off or a stepping off point, and you have to step off and trust that that next step is going to be there. There's a great little video, a clip I saw recently. Um, It's a movie from, I think, Mr. Bean Goes on Vacation. I think it's a clip from that movie. And he's trying to get to the beach. And he sees the beach out of his hotel room after all the struggles of his travels. And he starts walking. And he steps off of something. Every time you think he's going to step off and fall to his death, something just comes, appears right there in front of him. He just keeps walking with his eye on his goal, his eye on the beach. He had a mission in mind. He believed that what he needed would appear when he needed it. All he was doing was stepping out in faith. Now, I'm somebody who likes to know what's coming. I'm somebody who likes to have a plan in place. But sometimes you got to step out in faith. And I'm wrestling with that right now. Am I going to step out in faith and build some things that I want to build to have the life I want to have? I'm really struggling with that. I'm I'm at a point where I have a dream that I've been working on for years. And I have not seen any fruit of it. I have not seen anything coming of it. So I'm at a point where do I take more time to to focus on and to build that dream or do I let that dream go or do I let go of my security net that I've been hanging on to that's been taking up my time and making so I don't have the time to put into that dream you know either one one or the other is a letting go but the more I hang on to both you know the heavier I get the heavier I'm weighed down. I saw a post on on Facebook just this morning, and it was a pastor, a former pastor at a local church, and he was talking about his son. He saw his son going to school, and he had a massive backpack and so much stuff he could hardly carry in it. And he started looking at at the books in it, and he said, "Son, do you do you need all of these things?" And as they got to going through it, they were able to take out a lot of stuff in the backpack that the boy didn't need. 
But he got so used to carrying it, so used to adding more and more and more onto his load. He got used to the load and he didn't take other things away. Sometimes we have to prune things away in order for new things to take place. Sometimes we have to let go of things that we have to let go of things that we've been hanging on to for because we think that we need them. It's a security blanket. Sometimes you just have to let go and step out in faith. Just like Mr. Bean did on that clip where he finally made it to the beach and the movie ended. You don't need to go watch that movie. It's kind of ridiculous, but um yeah. <laughs> anyway, it, it just that that scene came back to me as I was describing that. So I kind of went through a long roundabout thing to say that I believe we are living in the best of times. It's the age of wisdom. It's the epoch of belief. It's the season of light, the spring of hope. We have everything before us. Okay? It's all a matter of how you choose to look at it, what you choose to live for, and who you choose to serve, who you choose to become. So my question to you is, what do you believe? Who will you become? And who do you serve? Do good work.